0: The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Ooh,
1: shiny.
0: Welcome to Generations Geek, a family friendly celebration of geekdom by Father Daughter Mutants. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and I'm joined, as always, by my daughter. Hello. And we are two generations of geek.
1: This is episode 25. Movie titles that start with X, which is the first episode of Series 3 of Generations Geek, and we'll be talking about all seven X-Men movies. So have Charles order you a drink, weird out the girl he's hitting on, and get comfortable. This might take a while.
0: Before we start using our mutant powers of geek talk, remember you can monitor us on Twitter and Facebook, and get handy links to all our shows on the Chronic Rift Network at generationsgeek.com. Email us at thegeeks at generationsgeek.com with questions, or to just tell us your mutant power.
1: Now, on with the show.
0: All right, the X-Men has become a huge movie series, seven movies altogether, intertwined, flashing backward and forward, hard to keep track of. I haven't read any of the comic books. Have you read any of the comics?
1: Not really. Yeah,
0: so we're really just talking about the movies here. And we're not going to go into how it re- relates to the source material in the comic books. I think just to keep things easy, we'll go through in order of release. They jump around so much, you could make an argument for trying to do them in some sort of chronological order within the storylines of the films. <laughs> but it gets it's pretty knotted up. We'll talk about that as Don't we go devil. through. Yeah. So, uh, okay. X-Men, the first film, came out in 2000. But according to my research, we're supposed to consider that it took place in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the first film?
1: I liked it. I didn't, maybe I didn't like it as much as some of the later ones, but I still liked it.
0: I think I it's, a, enjoyed it. it's a. it's an enjoyable movie. I do think it has some rougher spots. One of the things I like about it is the introduction of the friendship between Wolverine and Rogue. I like how that I... started out. I don't think that paid off oh
1: my God. over the course of I the series. Could talk about that for so long. Uh,
0: good or bad?
1: <laughs> good. Okay.
0: So you liked how they got to know each other and, and they the sort of unique friendship. They need to be friendship. best
1: buddies forever and he needs to walk her down the aisle when she marries Bobby.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Which, I, I don't know if she marries Bobby, but, <laughs> but... Yeah,
0: perhaps that's already been determined in the comics, but we yeah. won't know. So, super X-Men comic geeks, you can email us and tell us, did she marry Bobby? What happened? Has it already happened? We don't know. <laughs> I was a little disappointed when they finally sort of get together. I thought that the, the staging of the first fight scenes, I thought that the X-Men seemed incredibly incompetent.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, the depiction of Storm's powers in that first film w- was kind of lame for a while. Yeah. Throughout the series, I think the portrayal of what someone with her powers really could do
1: yeah. got better and better. I mean, I mean, what even class is she? She must be pretty high.
0: I did like cuz they had the little uh, intro. They had the 1944 kind of flashback mm-hmm. that opened the film. That sets up Oh man. the World War 2 backstory it's the of Meg in my heart which was <laughs> fabulous a weird and it's thing so to moving. Say. Well, and it, it, it really introduces the complexity of the Magneto yeah. character, that he's both very sympathetic
1: because you're on his side, but he's also yeah, crazy. But then
0: yeah, he's crazy, but you're you're sympathetic to the fact that he's sort of broken in a way that you understand, but his response becomes yeah, worse he went and too worse. Far,
1: yeah.
0: Uh as he just becomes his, what he hates, you know, he, the the comparisons to the Nazis and the persecutions of the Jews, uh, to the persecution of the mutants. But Magneto becomes his own Hitler, really. And yeah, it's, and because it's horrible and ironic. he's
1: trying to get some sort of bizarre revenge for the genocide that Hitler committed, but he just... By tr- starting by his own committing genocide, genocide. Yeah, yeah. He tries to commit genocide against humans.
0: In, in some ways, I think it's safe to say that Wolverine has really dominated the entire series what do you think about that? yeah
1: yeah he's definitely become sort of a bizarre main character i mean is he in all of the movies is what they all have in common
0: wolverine and professor x are the only two characters that have been in all of the movies
1: first class he just had a cameo but he was still there
0: you see a lot of wolverine in x-men you see how he's living you see the difficult existence he has as a mutant
1: there should be a young Avenger that's like the Wolverine equivalent, but uh, it should be a girl, and she should call herself the Honey Badger.
2: <laughs> uh, and then she can
1: just yeah. be like sassy, like, Honey Badger then don't care.
0: care. Then and then
1: ca- things, like Things get real. Kick people's butts.
0: One thing that gets confusing right from the start... And so of I'm the series <laughs> is how many people know about mutants and how do they react to them i think that's been a little muddled through the series as it jumps around in time it gets hard to keep track of
1: well i think it's kind how of how widely
0: people it's know about
1: nebulous. it nebulous you know some just some random person like maybe their cousin was a mutant maybe their whole family is kind of on yeah. some level aware of the presence but doesn't really talk about it you know yeah. Maybe some people have no idea. Maybe there's a family made up entirely of mutants, and they know, yeah. and their neighbors know that. Oh, there's they're a little, you
0: yeah. know. But that, that would be the Adams family.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's retcon the Adams family as a family of mutants. Dude, I want to see Marvel Wednesday Adams
1: at the academy. <laughs> Just like <laughs> breaking it down, sassin everyone.
0: X-2, also known as X-Men United. This came out in 2003, so a few years had passed in the real world, but in the movie, it's a pretty direct uh, sequel, picks up shortly after X-Men, so apparently in the original, in the official timeline, it's now 2006 in the X-Men universe, and this movie really brings in... The Stryker character, who will be pivotal in a number of movies moving forward. I thought they... I thought overall it was a better film than the first one. Yeah. It kind of like got the rhythm. They were...
1: Yeah, they knew they had more of a feel for what they were doing and they knew what they wanted.
0: I found it more entertaining. It started layering in more of the backstory with uh, Stryker and his relationship to the mutants and to Wolverine. He's just against the mutants for various reasons that get further elaborated upon in other films. Well, he's...
1: I don't know if I would say he's against them.
0: It's called X-Men United because Professor X's team, the the X-Men, and the Brotherhood, Magneto's team of mutants, come together to battle against what Stryker's up to. So, I
1: just I because he uses mutants for mm, himself, so I don't think yeah. I don't think he's against them. I just think he wants to. Oh, I see what you mean. He's the one who turned Wolverine's skeleton, uh, into adamantium. Yes, and he has a team of his own mutants. So I mean, he's obviously he's, the, he's you know, obviously a jerk yeah, and a butt, but he, I don't think he's he, against. He's
0: mutants. he's he's pulling in all the real psycho.
1: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. mutants
0: to uh, work for his and own then making ends. them more psycho. I want to mention a couple of the points where I thought this one fell short. This is where we really start to see how they never get a handle on Rogue. That she continues to be... I mean, obviously Rogue faces a horrible life situation that she can't touch people. But... Her character seems to be in the movies to sit around and be kind of whiny and mopey about how difficult her life is. And while on the one hand you're sympathetic to how hard her life is, on the other hand, it just gets annoying.
1: See, I really just think it's poor writing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Rogue is a better character than what they made her out to
0: be. Exactly. Uh, I think that you could have gotten across the sort of curse that she lives with while not having her seem so self-pitying. Granted, she is younger, but the longer she lives with the curse and especially the longer that she's at the at the school you would expect that yeah, professor X closer would be really and, trying to yeah. help her through the psychology of this and, and how to deal with it
1: and help me, helping her learn how to control it
0: that's and that's the other thing that i don't understand because we learn in other films how he has very proactively helped people handle their powers or if jean Grey a, and like Storm. jean gray and stuff and so, why isn't he helping Rogue?
1: Well, get, I think instead of just did, saying wear uh, some like fancy gloves, tiny scene like two lines of dialogue of Storm talking to her about it. Because I think that it would be super easy for Storm to get mad and just like make a tornado behind yeah. her. Oops! Yeah. And so, I think that she would be the one to talk to her.
0: It's a big cast of characters; it gets bigger and bigger. You only have so much time in every movie, so the the moments that they've chosen to illuminate. Rogue's character, I, I, yeah, I wish they would have done different things. I also thought this jumps way toward the end of the movie. I don't want to completely skip over everything in the movie, but I thought the death of Jean Grey was handled very awkwardly because I wasn't convinced yeah. that her sacrificing herself was the only way to save everyone else. It's like why didn't Why didn't some of the other mutants go outside? There's a big wall of water coming toward them. Let's see. If only we had someone on board who could handle the weather elements. You know, it's like, why couldn't Storm have done something? Why couldn't Cyclops have gone out there and... and, uh, Frankly, I Vaporized all the water. But you
1: still have Bobby You can make them like an iceberg to stand on and then it can all like... And then Storm can just be like, uh, bye. So
0: they all should have (laughs) run out there. It doesn't make any sense that she would took it on herself. If they wanted that sacrifice scene, they should they needed to stage it better. But there were some great scenes in there. I mean the whole thing oh, with yeah. um the way Stryker was brainwashing uh, essentially Professor X into looking for every mutant in the, in the world.
1: Oh yeah. You know, that was with a, one of his mutants.
0: Yeah, that was a great uh, creepy see- well, it was his son.
1: We also get Magnu and Mystique being best gossipy buddies.
2: <laughs>
1: oh my god, there's like yes. 5 seconds of them like whispering and then they're like giggling like teenage girls mm. and then and then and it's so great cuz it's Ian McCallan, he just looks at Rogue we love what you've done with your hair. <laughs> and then they're both like smiling. Oh my God. It's like, I want like mean girls with the X-Men cast. I can't even do it. I need more.
0: And yeah, and it shows how with with good writing like that, it shows how the brotherhood, the mutants of the brotherhood that are essentially the bad guys, it shows them as complex layered characters that you can still relate to it. And, and it makes it that much more sad that they've taken this Turned on this path oh my gosh, of, of this violence so great. toward you. I non-mutants. talk about that
1: scene so much. It's so short, but that and then the woman who is playing uh, Mystique before J Law just gives like this perfect like smile, like grin.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Okay, now it gets a little awkward. X Men: The Last Stand came out in two thousand and six, and apparently is actually set in two thousand and six. And after those first two films being pretty strong both of them perhaps the second one being a little bit better in my book then we get the first misstep the first real stumble you you know it's and it's not a terrible movie I really like sex three it's not a terrible movie <laughs> well let's get into some details uh, I think the idea behind it is a good idea that that uh, someone has developed a cure in air quotes for the mutant gene and um, I mean, it's great stuff. The whole thing with the kid and the father that's developed the cure.
1: Oh my God! But I could talk about Angel forever too. Th-
0: that is great stuff. Him. That scene with the little boy. Uh, oh my Rending oh, his his wings oh off.
1: Like, oh man! That is a looks very looks like the tools I used to make my bow, just shaving. Oh, God. yeah,
0: yeah, woodworking it's tools. Horrible. It's a very emotionally-wrenching scene, and the little kid turns in a great performance.
1: There's just blood all over the place. Oh, God, and feathers. I can't do it.
0: But then, yeah, to see the father's reaction to to, uh, come in and say, You... Too, or, you know, it's like, like I'm his sorry, first
2: dad. I, oh, his first expression
0: oh. isn't concern for what's happening with his child. Yeah, not, not but, that
1: his kid was trying to like saw off uh, his wings. Yeah, for him.
0: But to express his disappointment that he's oh amused. man!
1: But then when Angel busts out because they don't let you see his his full wings until he busts, so he's like struggling and then he's like, oh, and then boom, big white feathery wings, fantastic.
0: I was really struck by how the subplot between the father and son had a lot of emotional resonance and was really only in three scenes in the movie.
1: Yeah, but it hits you.
0: And then after everything the father has done, then toward the end when the son shows up and saves him, saves his life by swooping down and catching him, <laughs> it's just great. It's that, That's great. But then on the other hand... You have all the uneven moments of the script. You have a bunch of really corny one-liners sprinkled oh my God. throughout don't, the film. Don't
1: even talk to me about Juggernaut.
0: You got Juggernaut. Don't even do it. The, the worst line of the movie. Oh, the
1: Juggernaut.
2: <laughs> and, but God,
0: so bad. Even even so Mag, bad. You know, Magneto is making corny jokes, uh, and it and it really seems as though that they just didn't get how t- the, the the tone to to have in a movie like this. It started veering toward, now don't get me wrong, I love the Batman TV series. (laughs) That's a, it's a show that, But it's cheesy. But it's, the Batman TV series knows what it's doing and they know the tone that they're going for. Mm. And the X-Men movies are going for a straight tone, but with some humor here and there. But then, some of the dialogue of Last Stand veers more toward into Batman the TV series where it's like, are you just making fun of the genre? Are you yeah. making fun of yourselves? Do you take this at all seriously? And those did not play well.
1: You need to find a good balance between not taking yourself too seriously and acting like the whole thing's a joke.
0: Yeah, and so that was very disappointing. Because it's
1: it's easy to act like the whole thing's a joke with a superhero movie, really. Capes are I mean, involved.
0: Capes. Anytime you people people have with super superpowers, capes. yeah.
1: I mean, and I always, oh my God, I always start laughing whenever Magneto like flies around. <laughs> he just, he like puts his hands up and just like floats in the air. And I just Flying, lose it. Flying,
0: standing upright I lose does look weird. I
1: lose it every time. He's just, but he just, he always looks so murderous. <laughs> and yeah. <he> just.
0: <laughs> Another thing that I found disappointing was the complete, so underplayed that you almost don't even realize what's happened. But Cyclops gets killed. Yeah. And... Nobody says anything. Eventually, they they say something, but...
1: Scott's dead, no biggie.
0: But he's you gone. Know. Wolverine and Storm go up to the place of his death. They find his glasses.
1: And Wolverine's just like, I have a chance.
0: <laughs> and still don't say... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wolverine's they still, like... Hmm. <laughs> they still don't say, well, where is he?
1: Wolverine's yeah. like, sorry, bro. And then he like goes back and stands over Jean while she's unconscious. And <laughs> Logan, then, chill.
0: The other thing that I thought was awkward was the resurrection of Jean Grey. Because, <laughs> I mean, so Never Cyclops... mentioning the phoenix before. Well, Cyclops no. goes up to the scene of her death. He's, he's uh, still... He's
1: hearing her voice.
0: He's in anguish. And suddenly she rises up out of the water and comes to him and he says how and she says, I don't know. (laughs) And to me that was like the screenwriter saying directly to the audience I don't know. I don't know. I
1: don't know what's going on. We just
0: want her back, so poof, here she is. Woo! And uh
1: Muffet style. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) know. And so I thought that was awkward.
1: Blow blow. And then (laughs) uh, maybe
0: truthful then they get back to the school so they've got jean gray sedated
1: (laughs) nobody says anything
0: and wolverine is arguing with professor x about what he's doing with jean gray and why he doesn't allow her and during this whole argument professor x doesn't say well wolverine she killed
1: her her husband
0: husband or partner or whatever they were (laughs) he's like why are you trying to control her powers
1: because she killed her husband she killed scott she killed him
0: but he doesn't say that. He doesn't mention it. It's as if the absence of Cyclops has not been noticed by either of them. they just like whatever. And then Logan's
1: like, "I'm more concerned about Jean." Yeah.
0: Then when she finally awakens, and frankly, st- talks I think with they Wolverine. would have been pretty
1: justified to just shoot shoot her up with the cure right then, like. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's. It, it, I yeah. wouldn't have
1: had a problem. I would have been like sad but yeah. justified, sir, but because that's... she can't control herself. Yeah. To the extent that she killed her husband, and you know, yeah. Well, and that's it's finally a little bit when... different in a superhero movie, killing random civilians. But when you can't control yourself so much that you kill your husband and another superhero, it's a little. And that's
0: a little when bit they. Much. That's when it finally comes up because Wolverine asks her what happened to Scott. But you know, it's like oh, finally, finally, someone yeah. realized well, that Scott's not okay. there. Yeah. But great. then. There's a really silly scene that then actually sets up a really great scene. They're transporting Mystique. First off...
1: I love Mystique.
0: The ridiculous part about the scene is that the... Well,
1: they they weren't transporting her, right? That was the prison. They were like, we'll have a mobile prison. No one will ever know where they are. It'll be secure.
0: But they know beforehand how likely it is that Magneto's going to come after Mystique. But they take... Absolutely no precautions. Everything's
1: made of metal, you know. Yeah. I didn't see a single, like, plastic gun.
0: Although we've seen in other movies... I don't know. uh, Extreme anti-Magneto...
1: Like, ridiculously extreme. Things taken. They could have been on the road in plastic cars with plastic guns. But they don't
0: do anything, so it's ridiculous that then, obviously, Magneto shows up and just... Takes care of business. Yeah, but he then, ju- I mean,
1: he just, like, chucks the cars off the side of the road, like, takes nothing. And they look, they look like, surprised. They have, like, they're like, oh, my God, what?
0: But then we get <laughs> the astonishing scene. Oh, my God. Where Mystique gets shot with well, the and cure. She, no,
1: because she saves him. She sees that Magneto is about to get hit with it. And she says no and steps in front of it. And then it hits her instead.
0: And... She's transformed from Mystique into a Raven. non-mutant human form.
1: She's, she's Raven again.
0: And then Magneto just completely dismisses he kind of,
1: her. He kind of looks at her and he's kind of like, "You saved me, thank you." And then he like turns and starts walking away, and she's like, "Eric." And then he just is like you're not one of us anymore. Yeah. It's like, you're crazy! And then
0: he says... You've known her for 20 shame. years! She, she used to be so beautiful or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which it's is just... such a
1: giant twist because Mystique's whole thing is that nobody like... No, it's not her whole thing. I'm sorry. It's part of her thing. Yeah. Is that like she doesn't think she's beautiful. People doesn't don't think she's beautiful because she's blue and she has like scales and stuff, but obviously she's awesome. Um, and then Magneto like flips the whole thing around like, well, no, she's not a mutant. Yeah. So she's... Ugly. Sorry. And it it was
0: weird. I was, in fact, I was saying this even, I usually don't talk during movies. I like to just sit and watch the movie. But as we were reviewing this, I think right at the time, I like paused and said, Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was the
1: coldest. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Even though we've seen Magneto kill who knows how many people, that just seemed like the the coldest thing thing he'd he'd ever done. done. That was just Mm -hmm. brutal. That Magneto, he's got problems. He's got issues.
1: She's like, In the wreckage of everything he destroyed, like, naked, he's just like, well, bye. Yeah. Sorry, you saved my life, I'm leaving now, you're no use to me anymore.
0: That scene was done quite well, and you felt really sad for uh, Raven, but going back to the death of Scott, you're not really given any sense of any chance to sort of, like, mourn or feel emotionally uh, disturbed by his death, because it's so nebulous... It's mm-hmm. not really shown, it's not really clearly established mm-hmm. on screen what's happened. It's pretty obvious that... Uh, I mean, you, you come to understand quite quickly that, oh my gosh, she killed him. But you're not given any sense of mourning. Uh, the other characters don't seem to show any sense of mourning. And then as stuff really starts going down, you eventually get Professor X gets killed... By Gene Grey. There's a little bit of interesting emotions to that scene because you can see how much it hurts Magneto. You know, Magneto really does care for the professor.
1: Yeah, upon re-watching the movies, I kind of understand the obligatory male best friendship that everyone always does. Mm-hmm. But here it's like, and we'll talk about it once we talk about first class too, but it's like they're really close.
0: There's there is a funeral scene for Professor X so you get a little bit yeah. of a chance to feel for him
1: bad but
0: then as you get to the end of the movie you've got all the
1: kids are crying you get a very moving sad. scene
0: that you're building toward you know what are they going to do about this resurrected Jean Grey you, you, you get a little you know storm implies what's going to have to happen she says to Wolverine are you going to be able to do what you need to do Yeah so you know, you know, and then we find out that, yeah, it's like he has to kill her. He's the mm-hmm. only one with yeah, his Yeah, because he healing can regenerate powers.
1: fast enough to and not be killed by the time he gets close enough to
0: So it. then he has to kill her, and she recognizes it at the last moment. She actually says, kill me. Yeah. But then again, you know, so you, you end up having three main characters killed in a single movie and it gets to be a little overwhelming you don't really get to to feel much for any hit you of it as hard as it would yeah. if just
1: like one was killed or something and if it was just so, professor x it would have hit you so hard like cuz it's so sad and all the kids are like crying it's just yeah aww.
0: and so
2: aww.
0: so the so the structure of the screenplay there just having all that stuff hammered in uh, doesn't really let you appreciate any of the individual instances as much as a fan or a viewer of the film, but still, the the, the basic storyline was still entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea of that other mutant that they could use as a source for the cure, and how he's locked away, and and that was good stuff. And and I love the little shot where he's looking out of his prison window and he sees the winged guy uh, flying. Yeah. You know, and there's that's kind of a nice little thing that he's. Witnessing this great moment of freedom from within his prison cell, yeah. they did some great stuff with that. And the scene with Kitty. What do What is Kitty? Don't they have a? Does Kitty have a name? I don't know. Like Storm, or
1: I don't or think Wolverine.
0: So. Well, so there's a great scene with Kitty going after the little boy to rescue him. It's also, of course, within that scene is the awful, terrible Juggernaut line, one-liner. but. Um, But otherwise, it's a pretty effective scene and fun watching her run through walls. Oh
1: yeah, she's because she's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and it's I mean that's a character that has not been used a whole lot in the movies, and in fact, in the previous movies, the character had cameos in X Men and X Two, played by different actors. I I mean, say nope. Ellen Page played her in Last Stand and then oh, played no, her in Past. Oh yeah, I remember because they Past. because
1: they mentioned there's a kid that can run through walls and then you kind of get a like uh, they're going to class and yeah. one of the latecomers just runs run through the wall. Yeah, it's great. It, yeah. If I was Kitty, I would run through walls all the time. I wouldn't open any doors.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd scare everyone. <laughs> What's up, Ned?
0: Then in X-Men Last Stand, we kind of see Rogue's character arc come to a conclusion and An
1: awkward confusion. but it's
0: awkward you, you know throughout the movie she's again being kind of weepy and whiny not being she's not showing any sort of inner character strength about the the burden that she's been dealt by her mutation and so the fact that there is a cure air quotes cure
1: yeah, because she immediately it like, appeals runs to her. in to like
0: she wants the room the with cure. Storm
1: Professor X. They can cure us, and they're like, "It's not a cure. There's nothing wrong with us." And Rogue's yeah. like, "Wow."
0: Well, but and but on the other hand, I think Rogue has a point. I think that Storm was really kind of insensitive. That that, that Storm is is sort of only thinking about sort of this larger larger mm-hmm. agenda. That there's nothing wrong with us. And it's like, well, there may be, may be nothing wrong with you, but you still can't deny the burden that Rogue's mutation puts on her. And I think that Storm could have been more sympathetic and understanding about why Rogue would want to get rid of her issues and be able to have simple physical contact with people.
1: It comes off, even though um, they never, ever have Bobby really pressure her in any way but it still very much just comes off like I'm doing this for my boyfriend to kiss my boyfriend
0: they really could have developed that character and her arc better throughout those three movies Uh, but then she does get the cure so at the end of last stand she's able to touch him But now it was also in Last Stand where there was a scene earlier in the film where she was able to touch him.
2: Yeah, she did. For a moment
0: and was able to control it and then went a little bit too far and then she lost control. But then again, it seemed to me that they didn't discuss that. They didn't say, you should be able to develop that more Mm -hmm. so that you can control it. And that was, you know, that just, they fumbled that aspect of that character arc.
1: Well, and also it's like all the lines that Bobby has about it, he's incredibly supportive of her. You would almost expect them to give Bobby some awful lines about Mm -hmm. that, or like, say that, oh, you know, like, I can't do this, Rogue. We can't touch each other. But there isn't. He's nice, and they still have Rogue go off and get the cure, implying just to kiss her boyfriend, which is like
0: awkward. Yeah, they did not utilize that character the way they could have. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, the trilogy is done. And now they took a big detour. Things really got interesting in 2009 with the release of X-Men Origins Wolverine. The present day of Wolverine is in the mid to late 80s. Some sites say 1987. But it has scenes that take place all over the place. It has the most so amazing great. opening because oh man, it opens up in 1845, and this is when Wolverine discovers who his father is, what he is, and too. what he is. And because he's
1: just a sickly little boy. What his half brother so is? Mad that
0: yeah, the claws, claws come, come out. out, and then we get this fabulous montage of. Logan and his half-brother Victor fighting in various wars.
2: <laughs>
1: and here's the thing about that scene, is it's more than just the amazing war montages. It shows you so much about both their characters in very little time. It shows you that they're both fighters, they're soldiers, they fought in every war. They didn't need to, but they did, they're soldiers. And it also shows you with just glimpses that Victor is crazy. He is insane, he is a lunatic, and it's Logan he keeping has no him in line. He has
0: no compass, really.
1: And it also shows you that Logan is incredibly biased for his brother. Like, he will do anything. Like, they stand off against their comrades in arms.
0: Yeah, so you see them fighting in the Civil War. You see them fighting in World War One. You see them fighting in World War Two. You see them in Vietnam... There's an incredible amount of storytelling packed in. Yeah, to it's that
1: amazing, and it's, it's just like and it's fabulous. whoever directed that. And perfect execution.
0: Then once again, this is where Stryker comes in. Mm-hmm. So now we're in the '70s, and Victor and Logan are recruited by Stryker, who's putting together. Team X, where he's basically he has just, put together team. Yeah, X. and they're the
1: last recruits.
0: He's like a mercenary kind of guy. Yep. He does stuff for the intelligence agencies of the United States, yeah. but the stuff that Team X is doing gets more and more morally questionable, and Victor's own lack of any sense of. Yeah, it's right like everybody wrong. else
1: kind of hesitates at least a little bit. Yeah. And Victor's just like, oh, all right, yeah. He's
0: ready to kill anyone. Let's and it, kill
1: everything and it, anybody.
0: Yeah, and it finally drives Logan away. He can't take it anymore.
1: He's like, you guys are crazy. And I'm leaving, bye.
0: And then that's when we jump forward in time and get to kind of the present day of that movie. Uh, Where he's just leading a nice life as a logger.
1: Moved back to Canada. Has a... Became a lumberjack. Yep,
0: has a girlfriend. A long-time girlfriend. He's a school teacher. Just trying to be a nice guy. Live
1: in a tiny house on a mountain.
0: But then Stryker comes back. And what really gets the thing going is that everyone on the team is being killed. Stryker is pursuing his own ends because he eventually... He convinces uh, Logan to become Wolverine, basically, because Victor has just gone completely round the bend. And uh, there was a very moving scene with.
1: Oh, yeah, Dominic Monahan is in this movie. (laughs) Mary. (laughs) Yeah, so we get to see Victor uh, find uh, Dominic. I don't remember what his character's name is. And it really shows you the scene is important because it shows you how the mutants are living. They're working in circuses. Or they're homeless, like they're getting bullied, basically. Yeah, just they have to their hide entire their lives. They're hiding and being bullied, and um, so it shows you how he lives. Uh, it gives an example of how so many mutants must be living, and then Victor comes in to kill him, and just like, oh my gosh, oh he's so mean because Dom says, oh you know, like I'm not afraid of you, Victor. I know you're here to kill me. I'm not afraid of dying. And Victor says, "How would you know?" And then he kills him so sad
0: overall. I really, really enjoyed this one At, um after the mediocre experience of last stand felt yeah, like they Origins really
1: was good. Yeah. it seems like
0: they really got their game back. It was a complicated
1: it was because movie of
0: Dom. tied into the the timeline very intricately. It was very interesting. I found one character, although I, I did the research, that this is a character from the comics, but the Blob. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, he was you, a little awkward. Uh, just the whole, you know, fat jokes. They're just they're just really not that funny. So it's supposed to be funny because he's a big fat guy, but he's strong, and you know, Wolverine is fighting with him, and he's the Blob, and I don't. Know, it just, I mean, the actor who played him was good, but yeah, that's something that doesn't really uh, work for me much. But more. Im- Interestingly, was that it was not just Wolverine's origins story; it was primarily Wolverine's origins story. But there was a little sidebar where we also learned the origins of Deadpool. Yeah, they
1: snuck Deadpool in there.
0: There has been allegedly leaked test footage from the Deadpool movie. Leaked. I think the studio put that out to see what reaction would be to a pretty edgy and and accurate take well, on Deadpool. Deadpool's
1: pretty meta,
0: and uh, everyone I mean, he, loved it. He so he
1: breaks the fourth wall, like.
0: But I've heard rumors, on a ridiculously
1: regular basis. I've heard
0: rumors that they are not necessarily going to keep the same origin story.
1: People thought they royally screwed Deadpool up. So I would see why they so, yeah, change they it. So yeah, they
0: might change it and they could change it because of uh days of future past when we get to that we can well segue. Yeah. Um <laughs> oh my gosh, talk about big over the top comic book action. Yeah. In Wolverine. Uh you know, they end up having a big fight on top of a one of the 3 mile island nuclear plant cooling towers. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it's really outrageous comic book action. You know, in, in some of the previous movies, I mean, obviously they're all comic book action movies, but some of the stuff in this one was really oh, out yeah. there. And it really developed also some of the tragic underpinnings a lot of a lot of these characters. The mutants are all sort of tragic because they didn't choose to be mutants. They're just mutants and they're different and they're kind of metaphorical for how people get picked on for these differences. In their cases, the differences happen to be superpowers, but it's a pretty interesting storyline. And then you have Wolverine, who is doubly burdened because he's got his own mutation, which causes its own problems. He's like functionally immortal, uh, so he has to deal with that whole thing of people in his life, dying and everything Mm -hmm. and living through stuff awkwardly. But then on top of it... It freaks me
1: out when bullets drop out of him.
0: Yeah. He's always
1: getting sprayed with bullets. They always have, like, footage of the bullets, like, being forced back out and then hitting the floor, (laughs) and I just, like, lose it. I'm, like, like, cringing, covering my eyes in the theater. I can't do it.
0: But then he gets pressured into having this uh, adamantium metal encased around his skeleton, which makes him even more indestructible.
1: Does it encase his skeleton or does it replace or it, or his skeleton? Or is
0: injected into his bones or molded I think in kind of, to, it, I think you know, kind the it kind of takes weirdly the place. replaces his skeleton. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So
1: he's made of metal, basically.
0: So he's even more indestructible. and Unless but is, Magneto is there. <laughs> but is totally <laughs> manipulated by Stryker. And so his girlfriend is killed and then he loses his memories. And, it, and it's really just brutal. He's yeah. gone through so much. And I think that's one reason why they made him... A central character is that it is such a rich character and then you know they got someone like Hugh Jackman who is a great actor and is yeah. really fabulous yeah. in the part was it a home run after Last Stand or was it a triple uh I don't even know how to I don't know sports I'm trying to use <laughs> sports metaphors i losing control of them but it was a it was a fabulous return
1: I don't think it was a home run
0: but a really great movie after the disappointment of Last Stand X Men First Class yes. Yes. came out in
2: 2011. Yes, First Class
0: jumps back and takes place primarily in 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and there are flashback scenes earlier because we go way back to when uh, Charles Xavier first meets Raven. Yep. And that's like in 1944 or something. Oh,
1: man, so great.
0: And we also get additional flashbacks with Eric slash Magneto Mm -hmm. in 1944 and how he is really manipulated and further broken (laughs) by the mad doctor, whose name escapes me, uh, that... uh, forces him to develop his mutant powers and is trying to use the mutants. Oh, There's always man. a bad scientist guy who's trying to use the mutant powers for his own ends. And Those it
1: scenes are so intense. Yeah,
0: and it further muddles everything up with, with the Magneto character where you Ooh, and his feel mom. so sorry for him.
1: Well, it's like, but I also, I always kind of get weirdly miffed at his mom because basically what happens is the mad scientist is like, yo, I'm going to kill your mom unless you move that coin for me, so go. And obviously he can't. He can't control his powers at this point. But his mom, instead of immediately saying, like, Eric, it's okay, don't worry, everything is all right, she, like, urges him on. And I think, I feel like she knew that he wasn't going to be able to do it. And so she's like, it's, like, you can do it. And then he starts to, and then she just says, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, and that's all she says. And it's like, I think you could have said something else to maybe lessen the trauma for your child. (laughs) Like... Mm.
0: I understand what you're saying, but I think under the circumstances, when she's staring at her own death, that I can understand... But she's
1: also staring at her son. ...that
0: she may not have been able to articulate everything in the best way. But, yeah, it's a brutal scene. It makes you understand how broken Eric is. Well, like, imagine what else was done
1: to him after the... Because he said we will unlock your gift with anger. It's like, so imagine what else yeah. they did. What anger and pain, was, yeah. Eric. Like, what did they do to him? So he's
0: just a messed up guy. And the reveal that Mystique is essentially the professor's sister, like his adopted sister, mm-hmm. that that blew my mind. I was like, <laughs> so well, great. that is so great. amazing.
1: Best buddies And forever. then it just
0: sets up for a great tragedy that when all these people start falling out and ending up, when the mutants end up taking sides against each other for various reasons, it's uh, a great tragedy. Uh, but
1: we have to say, Jayla, this is the first, this is the first movie where Jayla plays Mystique.
0: Introduces Jayla as I the young Mystique. I
1: love J-La. is the best. Jayla is the new Meryl Streep because she's right for every role.
0: <laughs> well, and I really think because it went back to when she was younger and was still sort of passing as a non-mutant for most of her life, then there was the opportunity to really characterize her. She, she had a lot more dialogue. And so j as an actor, was given an opportunity to really bring a lot more character to Mystique than uh, the previous uh, a- actor-slash-model Rebecca Roman was able to do because it was a different character. The older, darker character doesn't necessarily have a lot of words. She's just beating people up. So overall, fabulously entertaining movie makes great use of the historical. First class,
1: amazing movie.
0: Yeah, great use of the historical backdrop.
1: And you see them bond. They bond so much. Yeah, like Beast and Professor X and Magneto.
0: Yeah, and you really get a better chance to understand the friendship that there is between Magneto and Professor X. Yeah, You, you see how they. You see how they bond, and you also see how they fall apart, and, and see what, what drives them apart, and you see what drives Magneto, all his uh, horrible backstory. But then you also see what's really human, about these mutants is that yeah. that like any normal person, they all have their pros and cons, their flaws. Well, and they're also
1: just kids,
0: and you and they're kids, and you see how it can drive them in the wrong direction. Sometimes, just the way that regular human teenagers will occasionally go in the wrong direction <laughs> for whatever you know various reasons, it the same things happens with these mutants. But then, if unfortunately the mutants have these huge destructive powers, and so when one of them goes down the wrong path, <laughs> it's trouble for everyone.
1: Do I remember the name of the guy that, like, does the energy rings? It's, like, hectic. Or, like, havoc! Havoc. Boom! I think that's, that'd be my mutation. Red, like, energy rings just, like,
0: <laughs> flinging things around. So it's very moving. You see the accidental origins of the beast. You get to see the kids... As kids, you get to see Mystique, you know, she's scared. She's frightened when the bad guys come and start abducting the mutants. She doesn't just, you know, leap in and start uh, beating people up because she's not led a life where she's had to do that yet. She's led a sheltered life.
1: Very early on, their friends are killed in front of them. They kill Darwin. We have to talk about Darwin for a second. Yep. Because Darwin's whole thing is adapt to survive. He adapts to survive so he doesn't die, and the first thing they do is kill the only black person.
0: <laughs> it's become a horrible joke in genre films, particularly like, in horror it, films. Is on
1: purpose? on like that the,
0: that the black person is always going to be the first one to be killed by the psycho killer. I just
1: like, what is...
0: And uh, so that was... Adapt
1: to survive. Very it's like unfortunate. If you killed, if, it's like if they recast Wolverine as a big buff black guy and the first thing they did was kill him. (laughs) Like, oops, sorry. His regeneration didn't work this time.
0: In the broader picture of the entire series of movies, obviously we have Storm as a continuing character. But within this particular film, he's the black guy and boom, he gets killed.
1: I also don't see how he would have helped them. Like, beyond being able to be near the nuclear stuff, without being injured i think that maybe that's why they chose to kill him off is because what could he have done banshee can do the sonic thing and fly yeah but
0: well they they haven't really since they're all kids and since most of them have been trying to hide their skills their mutant powers yeah because
1: usually there's more than there's kind of like underlaying stuff they don't really know yeah
0: Yeah, and, and they they haven't really used their powers in a superhero kind of way and I think that uh, Darwin—it's like he was doing these little parlor tricks. You know, I can stick my head underwater, grow gills, yeah. and—but and, has I he want really... to see
1: him like forcing evolution on stuff.
0: But yeah, it like seems like holding
1: that a holding like an animal in his hand. and it's Had like he survived,
0: he could have developed some pretty interesting things to do mm-hmm. with his powers. But uh, some cool scenes. But it is really a big, big movie. Some really big comic book action as it moves toward the end and you get the confrontation between the Soviet uh, ships and the U.S. blockade of Cuba. For a lot of kids in the audience, not familiar with the Cuban Missile Crisis, they might not even realize that this is an actual thing, but (laughs) it was a great use of of historical facts and spinning this... uh, Unknown secret mutant yeah, history behind them.
1: That's my favorite thing, and
0: that's uh, something that's done in some of the other films as well. Is that you find out that there's these secret things going on that are actually the the mutants.
1: I also really love the scenes where they're at Xavier's mansion. It's just like seven twenty-somethings learning to use their like, superhuman powers. It's like <laughs> that's like a sitcom, just yeah. ready to go.
0: <laughs>
1: I'd pay money for that.
0: <laughs> that. That made me think of the brilliant Wolverine cameo. <laughs> they're trying to gather what becomes the first class of the uh, of the X Men or the the mutants or whatever. And so Charles has found the mutants using the first Cerebro thing that the Beast has made, and they actually find Wolverine. Now, of course, everyone else is, is like 20-somethings or teenagers, but Wolverine is his full-grown <laughs> adult self. Since uh, we're a family-friendly podcast, we can't quote what he what, says.
1: What is His <laughs> only line? But they Wolverine. walk
0: into him on a bar. He dismisses them quickly and they leave and it's a (laughs) hilarious little cameo when you did the sitcom you'd have to have uh, cameos from wolverine every week at some point every week that
1: would just be his catchphrase
0: yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then we also have the heart-wrenching development at the end where magneto kind of kind of turns on them and is causing trouble he definitely turns on them yeah and um Oh God, I've forgotten her name. The CIA CIA agent tries to take him down,
0: and she's the one who ends up paralyzing. Well,
1: not not really though.
0: It's an accident, you know. She's well, she's... no, because
1: what happens is she's walking towards Magneto and just firing all of the bullets she has at him because he's like firing missiles at her people. Yeah, and
0: and he's deflecting. Magneto's them.
1: deflecting the bullets, and so one of the bullets and... he sends curving around past him hits uh Charles in the back and you can j- he cries out and like yeah. arches and you can see him fall and Eric is heartbroken.
0: Yeah. Because between the CIA They're agent so and close. Eric they they both have their hands in the accidental paralyzing of their friend.
1: And then Eric is like immediately there and like pulling Charles into the zap and then he's like you you did this and he yeah, like starts to kill her and Charles and yeah, is like he, bro no. Yeah. But he is so mad. Yeah. He is, because they're... And you can really see how close they are. Yeah, because
0: even though... Right there. Even though Magneto's past has driven him down this path of hatred of the humans, and even though he and Charles have become philosophically on complete opposite ends of the spectrum on the issue, he never really loses his deep... Respect.
1: Well, they're so for close. They're Charles. just like best friends ever.
0: Yeah, and you really see that back in um, Last Stand after Charles was killed. One of the young mutants that Magneto recruited into his army makes a crack Punk. about him. Yeah, <laughs> and and Magneto puts him down and says, you know, he he's done more for mutants than you will ever know, or or, or something to that effect. Yeah. And so that, that long-lasting bond between them, that, that's been really well done throughout yeah. the, the entire series. This is an aside. This is a parenthetical. This is a sidebar. Picture a sidebar in a book. That's what this is. Because the title of our show is movie titles that start with X. There was, there's been one movie in the X-Men cycle that didn't start with X. The Wolverine. We're going to touch upon it just a little bit, but I actually didn't get a chance to see this one because I'm talking to you, on-demand services of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I was getting ready to rent The Wolverine so that we could watch it, and uh, it's not available for rental streaming. It's only available for purchase. I'm sure through Netflix, you can get the DVD sent to your house in that form but it's but as far as the streaming thing it's the 21st Dad, century it should all be available streaming
1: in 2K14 you're going to <laughs> mail something to your house in I'm old school physical mail
0: <laughs> I wish it's well if I had done my research I could have had it sent in the physical mail <laughs> so those are some of the reasons that we're not really going to discuss the Wolverine in this broadcast even though we tip our hat to its uh Its little parenthetical existence. All the other X Men movies are superhero movies that have superheroes in them, and this movie is more of a
1: trying to act kind of semi normal. It's
0: yeah, it's kind of a mobster movie that happens to have a superhero in it who happens to be Wolverine. (laughs) He's like, oops. And so it's that's it's a really interesting idea, and I look forward to seeing it. This then brings us all the way up to this year's epic release x-men days of future past
1: yes which (laughs) again
0: following in the time traveling footsteps of this series is now set in two different time periods the the current day within the film is in 2023 according to my research on the interwebs so it must be true
1: Practically and post-apocalyptic. Yeah,
0: because everything has gone really the south. The the
1: humans are fighting.
0: The world has been destroyed.
1: The crazy, like half destroyer from Asgard, things are hunting the mutants. Why do they do the same yeah. thing That's as the destroyer? The I have no explanation.
0: So they realize that the way to save the world Eric is. Eric and
1: Charles realize.
0: That they have to change a key point in Earth's past, and so they hire Marty McFly to drive the Terminator (laughs) (laughs) into the past. So they come up with a scheme where... We have to go back. Where... uh, What's her name? Kitty. Kitty? The unfortunately... Uh, the most unfortunately named superhero ever, who's Kitty.
1: Like, who has like a new power that is revealed.
0: She can send people's consciousnesses in various places.
1: Back into their younger bodies.
0: And so, yeah, Wolverine's 2023 mind is going to be rebooted into his 1973 body.
1: We need to stop for a moment and talk about the amazing fight scenes that happen at the beginning and the end of this movie. Because Kitty has... Become a uh, part of a group of mutants who regularly send their consciousnesses back in time to survive to escape from the Terminators.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, Sentinels, the things. Sentinels, the, the things are called right. Sentinels.
1: But I want to talk about Blink. <laughs> you know which one Blink is. Blink is the one that does portals. Like she's some sort of like future version of Chell from Portal Three. <laughs>
0: They did and look. And I love it. Yeah.
1: And the way she fights with them, and the way it like it's like the teamwork that they have is just like yes. Well, and, and she then can make Blink is chucking the portals around. She and can it make looks people, like portal three.
0: She can make people shoot themselves in the back because she opens yeah, up a portal boom. in front of them. It's like and and then a portal in back of them.
1: And I just love how she's... It just looks fantastic. She's well amazing. Done. I. Yep. That's what I would do. I'd have like the like the flinging things, but like, doing like a weird like dance to fling and, like red energy rings out, and then like toss some pink portals around.
0: This is one of those times where I wish that this was a video show because
1: because <laughs> I'm I'm doing the dance.
0: Our listening audience is missing <laughs> Ella's uh, strange gyrations as she tries to. Uh, throw portals and energy rings.
1: It's like a new dance for (laughs) mutant-specific clubs. Do the havoc.
0: It's just another fabulous use of history, of the time period. So you get back to
1: 1973. Yes. Oh, you can barely take anyone seriously because they're interject. all wearing their discotheque oh. clothes. It's so great, great though. Great use
0: of the time period. The music, the fashion, the politics. But
1: it's just like, if you take a screen... If you really look at them, like, you cannot take them seriously.
0: Like, if you just take a <laughs> screenshot,
1: like, they just all look, like, angsty and depressed. and But they're wearing, like, ridiculous paisley collared shirts.
0: It was quite amusing. Oh, you know, one of my favorite scenes... Although it's just a very, it's a small little bit, but it's a great reaction shot from Hugh Jackman where uh, Wolverine walks through a metal detector. Yes. And doesn't set it off. Uh,
1: yeah, cause it's because back, it, it's back before he adamantium. had an adamantium. So he, like, he's like, okay, here we go. And then it like, doesn't do anything. And he looks at it like, oh. And then he's like, oh, yeah. All right.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was funny. See, now and this is another thing for the old folks like myself. To have President Richard Nixon turn up as a fairly substantial character in an X-Men movie. was a lot of fun, and the actor did a good job of uh, sort of having a voice that was was reminiscent without being kind of a caricature or something. It was a good use of of, uh, that character. Although there there was one historical thing that bugged me. It had to do with one of your favorite characters in the movie. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. There's a fabulous scene that we'll talk about a little bit after this with Quicksilver. But Pietro, he put on a pair of headphones where there's one, piece, one little thing for each ear instead of having an over-the-head thing. I don't think that those separated kind of things appeared until long after that. But you're not sure. I, well, as an Maybe old man... Maybe Pietro
1: stole them.
0: As an old man, all my memories of high school... And people wearing Walkmans when Walkmans first came out because, yes, I am that old. It was always an over-the-head little earphone thing. It was never those separate things that hook over each ear.
1: So nitpicky. (laughs) It is nitpicky.
0: Well, and I'm sure there's plenty of other even bigger nitpicky things that you could find fault with in there that I just didn't notice. Um, But that's a minor thing. I mean, that's... That's just something that I noticed, but it really doesn't bother me in the big picture. Because generally... otherwise Quicksilver is perfect. But the scene in which that happens...
1: <laughs> oh, man. How can you not love <laughs> Pietro Maximoff?
0: It is great. And it's another great thing uh, in the in the overall series because, again, you start seeing these little origin things. You find out that Charles and the Beast were living together mm-hmm. in 1973 and, mm-hmm. and then wildly Charles was walking about because the beast walking had developed about. some sort of serum that allowed him to have a mm-hmm. human appearance and it also allowed Charles be able to walk uh,
1: but, but he, he would lose his yeah. powers. I like when he and uh, when the beast and Wolverine are fighting over the door. Because Wolverine, like, recognizes him. And he's like, pretty strong for a skinny guy, aren't you? And (laughs) Hank's like, please get out. Yeah, (laughs) He's so stressed out.
0: Because, uh, of course, uh, the Beast doesn't know him at this point. So things are already changing in that timeline. So the movie has to jump back and forth between the continuing battle in the future, where they're trying to protect uh, Kitty and Wolverine, long enough to keep Wolverine's future mind in his past body so that he can affect the change where they have to stop an assassination by mystique that sets in motion the thing that develops the sentinels and has them take over the world and all that sort of stuff. It was Bucky. And it was... (laughs) The other great thing is... You get this great prison break...
1: Yes. ...of
0: Magneto. Um,
1: With Quicksilver...
0: But then, thing, but then it's also Magneto's in prison because he was suspected of being the person who assassinated John F. Kennedy, <laughs> when in fact, and in fact, Magneto really reveals that uh, he was trying to stop Damn. the assassination yeah. and wasn't successful. But Bucky was too quick. Winter
1: Soldier is too good.
0: Okay, you're confusing me with the Bucky stuff. Are you, are you making that up, or was that in something?
1: It wasn't anything. Yeah,
0: that's just your uh, head cannon?
1: He killed Kennedy. <laughs> and Magneto but took the fall.
0: Why, why would it be Bucky? Why are why you bringing in... Why wouldn't it be Bucky?
1: <laughs> I like the shot where um, Magneto says he can control metal. And Quicksilver's like, my mom used to know a guy that could do that. And then there's like a second of Magneto going wait. (laughs) And then they're like, they have to move on because there are guards and stuff. They have to fight. But it's just such a small reaction. It's fantastic.
0: The special effects in the prison break sequence when Quicksilver kicks into gear. Oh my god. I wonder how long it took to film... And create that single scene. A long scene.
1: time. I can't even imagine.
0: Because take anything that was done in the Matrix movies and then just crank it up. Because it is a prolonged bullet time kind of uh, sequence. Well, he's
1: running up walls. He's running all like... over
0: the place. He's repositioning bullets' uh, trajectories. It's it's just a stunning scene from a special effects standpoint and it's very well directed so it's very uh, entertaining and exciting and and mind blowing and just everything that a comic book movie should be right in that scene where you're just Mm -hmm. taking a a, a, an outlandish concept you know here's a guy that for some reasons can run so fast that bullets are essentially stopped and then just saying what could he do
1: anything and
0: it's like anything and it's in its way, it's completely believable because you're watching him do it, and you just think, "Yeah, that's exactly what it would be like if you yeah, could run that fast." Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's fabulous, he's and the so kid, the actor, is is perfect because he oh has God, the
1: he's so good. He
0: has the kind of uh, what do I care kind of outlook that you would have if you had that skill because yeah. you'd be able to do just about anything, and you just wouldn't you wouldn't worry. Why would you worry about anything? When
1: you can do anything. Because
0: you can fix just about anything when you can uh, effectively stop time for yourself and uh, rearrange things.
1: I like the, like, stacks of Twinkies he has in the basement. Just, like, (laughs) walls full of indestructible bakery. Yeah.
0: Air quote. In just a couple of scenes, he, he kind of stole the movie. Oh,
1: he definitely stole the movie. He was
0: a standout new character and then I'm glad to see that he's going to be back in... uh, I love
1: it when he makes like uh, because he like slides Magnu the note like watch the glass and then he and then Eric looks up and then he (laughs) like looks at him for a second and then like smiles and it just like stretches across his whole face and it's hilarious.
0: I mentioned earlier that sometimes I feel it's a little bit muddled. When do people know about mutants and how much do they know and then that that gets a little bit more muddled in here because the timeline is changing. So there's a big scene in here that reveals mutants to the world uh, when they go to try to stop the assassination sequence and things go much more public. So in this timeline, there's a big reveal to the public of, of these strange creatures earlier than they would have been in the uh, original timeline when Mystique flies out the window and the beast yeah. is fighting with her and... Magne- well, the base is
1: fighting Magneto.
0: And Magneto, yeah, and Magneto... Because
1: Magneto's like trying to kill her.
0: And it gets all, yeah, crazy because yeah, yeah Magneto starts pursuing his own agenda instead of going along with the plan that uh, the other people had because Magneto, he always just be making things difficult. <laughs> There's just no easy way with Magneto. You 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 think that he's finally come around and he's on your side and he's going with you and... But then, at some point, he changes his mind, and, and, like,
1: nah. and
0: he's gonna do Magneto's gonna what, do what Magneto's like. gonna do. Yeah, yeah. And Peter Dinklage, the amazingly fabulous actor, who happens to be a little person, and that's a great thing about this. I didn't look up the character. They don't even
1: mention it. I didn't it's
0: look fantastic. up that. I didn't look up to see if that character is canon to the comic books and how he's portrayed in the comic books. But unlike just about any other role that any little person has ever had in the history of cinema. It has nothing to do with this character. He's just a person who happens to be a little person, and oh, Peter th- Dinklage. there's no comment made about it. He's just treated like a normal person, as should be. Peter
1: Dinklage is going to be the fabulous. king of North America when everything goes south.
0: That could, we can only hope.
1: They'll haul out the the throne from Game of Thrones and he'll sit on it.
0: It seems to me that Peter Dinklage's amazing acting abilities are really helping to single-handedly uh, help uh, all little people actors. Yeah. Because he's showing that you can just be a character who happens to be a little person without That's it okay. being a plot point.
1: He has a presence.
0: Exactly. he's He's got a presence that just brings a seriousness a, and, and a weight an
1: amazing actor. To, a,
0: to a role. Yep. You and can, it was you can feel him. Yeah, and it's a great and it's exactly what this role needed because he needed to
1: He's old, he's pretty threatening.
0: Yeah, he's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing to do, but he's also creating these super weapons that eventually almost destroy the world when they fall into the wrong hands. It adds a lot of layers into the big superhero comic book action movie universe. And speaking of superhero comic book universe, Another great example of what I was, of what we've talked about previously, the baseball stadium that <laughs> Magneto picks up and moves across D.C. I
1: can't even handle it because he, like, it's a shot on, like, a custodian. Magneto, of course, just, like... Kind of lands in the center like you do when you're Magneto, but it's so funny because he's just kind of like because he doesn't the fly, he
0: levitates, he, Yeah. so he's he always upright.
1: Oh, God, he doesn't he doesn't strike so funny. he
0: doesn't strike the the Superman pose and and fly horizontally.
1: He looks like he's <laughs> he's meditating. Yeah. Oh, man. And then he just lifts the entire thing, and he's just floating in the center of a baseball stadium. Yeah, and oh, that's just man. a big,
0: giant comic book concept. That's the kind of thing that comic book writers come up with every day.
1: And here's the here's but the you don't terrifying see it in the movies. thing. Here's the terrifying thing. Did we see him struggling to lift that? No. No. That was nothing. Imagine what class mutant he is. Imagine what he could do. <laughs> he could fling the moon into the ocean. I depending suppose on what, Depending on what kind of elements he can yeah. bend.
0: Depending on the, the percentage of various minerals in the moon.
1: I think oh. Toph is his ancestor. <laughs> Head cannon accepted.
0: And it's quite a complex plot with the time travel yeah. and the who they're killing and why or not killing and mystique is out on her own to kill this guy and but then we got to stop him and then we got to you know it's it's mm-hmm. very uh convoluted i shouldn't say convoluted because that sounds more like a bad thing uh it's mm-hmm. just it's just a complicated and yeah, layered definitely. movie and uh it's because it's definitely a good thing that you're not quite sure what's going on and how time is going to change and who's doing what, yeah. but Mystique is out for vengeance on Ooh, uh, yeah. previous uh,
2: yes, um, experiments
0: that have been done on mutants in the past, and so she's making some people pay.
1: She's understandable.
0: Another example of how these characters are layered, that even though their reactions are understandable, they take them in violent directions that aren't the right thing to do but you have a sympathy for what is driving them to these extreme reactions because the mutants have been so horribly treated after much hijinks they are successful in their mission wolverine wakes up back in the future and instead of being in the war-torn rubble of a world overrun by sentinels he's in his room at uh, Professor X's place.
1: At the academy.
0: The gifted school for academy youngsters of mutant superpower. It's where people go when their parents don't know how to deal with them. He kind of gets
1: up and <laughs> wanders into the hallway and there are kids running around and Rogue is standing there and, with Bobby. everything's
0: back to normal and, and then he sees suddenly Gene there's and Gene and Scott and the professor. And, and he kind so... of looks at
1: the professor in, in a weird way and uh, makes some comment about uh, having a hard time being a history teacher. And uh, Xavier's like, "Oh my God, you're back."
0: Yes, but here's my question: What? How does?
1: Yeah, don't have an answer.
0: Yeah, unless it's some sort of weird. uh, Because he
1: said at the beginning that uh, only Logan would remember, but then he remembered.
0: Well, and he could be weird. Yeah, well, unless we're supposed to infer that in that moment that the professor has read Logan's mind and sort of assimilated all that knowledge and realized what it means. I mean,
1: that's possible too.
0: But a little awkward from the time travel point of view. It's easy to screw up time travel in movies. It's fun yeah. to do time travel. Time travel. It's hard to make it actually make sense. Mm-hmm. But... You could step
1: on a butterfly. It's a,
0: It's been a big... Uh, so it's been a big reboot button because they changed history in 1973. And so... Other than all of
1: the movies, other
0: than X Men: First Class, which took place in 1962, every other film, everything that happened in it is now open to complete uh, rebooting. You just have to—the writers just have to decide how much they want to change things. Um, and so that's really kind of fascinating. Does Wolverine still have his adamantium skeleton? We don't know, but you know that came post 1973, so that's something that could have changed. But remember, at the end of the movie—not at the end of the movie, but at the end of the 1973
2: bit—Wolverine's
0: mm-hmm. body was left at the bottom of the Potomac, and it's brought up
2: yeah.
0: by Stryker. Mm-hmm. And so, Wolverine in 1970, in the new 1973, it was already in the hands of Stryker. So, so that puts he in motion. Well, it puts that's back. that fits back into the same timeline mm-hmm. in X-Men Origins. It was around that time when he was first recruited by Stryker yeah. to be on Team X. So we could assume that the Team X plot could move forward in much the same way. But we don't know. So when they do X-Men Apocalypse, then we'll see how much is revealed. Well, in Deadpool what's changed. Movie too. And then Deadpool is coming up in there too. Actually, I think Deadpool will be out before X-Men Apocalypse. And we could see a new origin story for Deadpool because the Deadpool origin that was shown in X-Men Origins Wolverine happened in the late 70s. So Deadpool can come about differently than that. Mm -hmm. Which is just wild. That covers all six movies that start with X and a little sidebar about uh, Wolverine. What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite?
1: I'd say it would have to be either First Class or Days of Future Past.
0: I'm with you on that. Yeah. For me, those, the, time, the, the use of the time different time periods really brought a, a richness it's to the story that <laughs> was really entertaining, although I thought X2 was quite good and a, and a, a better use of the X-Men team. Then that first one x men kind of is like mm-hmm. it's x men is kind of like the pilot episode of so yeah, many series yeah. where you know That's as a, good a description yeah, and, and as a pilot it was it was better than most, but still hadn't quite gelled completely, mm-hmm. and then with x two it was like boom, right on the money, then you had the stumble of last stand, and then you get back to some really interesting movies, uh, first class and days of future past taking advantage of. Uh, jumping through all sorts of history, uh, and, and Wolverine as well. I mean, I meant to mention that that they all tell these kind of epic, decades-spanning stories that uh, are really compelling and interesting, and draw you in. They, and they, they kind of dare you to nitpick because you start looking at, wait a minute, yeah. in this film this <laughs> happened, in this film that happened. Because, mm. you, know, I'm, you know, I I was like, well, in, in Last Stand, when Professor X and Magneto recruit Jean Grey, Professor X is walking, but that's <laughs> after he got shot in 1962. So if he was walking, he'd have to be using the Beast's formula, but he also used his mental powers on Jean... So does that quite, I, I don't know. So, yeah, they may have stumbled here and there with an increasingly complicated continuity. But now after the reboot, they can do whatever they want and, and uh, start over. And, but, yeah. And then, so are we also sort of united that Last Stand was the, the least of the seven? Would yeah. you put that at, the, at your yeah, least favorite?
1: Yeah. But the, I just find when I'm watching X-Men, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting through it.
0: So, X Men doesn't grab you. And then the Wolverine. Well, we'll have to view that up. And then a future episode, we'll have to do a little side note and and Mm -hmm. comment on it. Yeah. Then all we can do now is just wait for uh, Deadpool.
1: Yes. So excited. So pumped.
0: And stocking up on bananas.
1: Yeah. B N A N A N A (laughs) F.
0: Up next, a new segment on Generations Geek that we like to call All the Squee, with Ella and Lydia. Ella's bringing on her friend Lydia so that they can talk amongst themselves about X-Men. So, take it away, Ella.
1: All right, Lydia, welcome to Generations Geek. Thank you for having <laughs> me. It's good to have like another teenager on the show.
2: Yeah. Woo. I'm hanging
1: out with all the old people all the time.
2: I know. It's <laughs> it's a struggle to find the youth. All right. So, you watched
1: the X-Men movies before me. Yes. So, when actually. I watched them, and I was confused because they're confusing. <laughs> they are. You were able like by memory in school to just like recite names and scenes to me, which I it was like very helpful. <laughs> no, it's good. It was impressive because yeah. like I feel like I
2: feel like I have a pretty good memory, but I had no idea what was going on. They're confusing movies. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, I got started watching them when my cousin introduced me to Rogue. That's how I figured out the X-Men universe. She introduced me. She wanted me to do a costume for my first convention, which was last March. And she's like, you need to do this movie Rogue thing. We just need to get you some a coat. This is from the first X-Men movie when she's like in that forest green coat and she's with Wolverine. And she's like, you should do this costume. It ended up tur- turning out pretty bad. but No, it was great. I've, is, I've seen it in top. action. I've seen this in action. It's, it's a good cosplay. Yeah. So that's how I got started into it. And I started watching the movies. And now I have a few of the first X-Men comics for first class. And I love them. I just love the characters. I love the ideas of like kids in school but being epic and powerful. <laughs> It's like my That's dream like to just too. randomly, yeah. like, turn into another person. It's just like, yeah. oops, I just got my Hogwarts <laughs> letter! Bye! Bye. <laughs> yeah, I just, I love the stories. I love all the different characters. That's how I got started into X-Men. yeah. yeah. All right, so some of the stuff that we were
1: talking about before you came yes. on. We actually ended up talking a lot about how... Bad. Some of the movies are. Oh yeah. Just <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. Um I mean, you you know. You I, know. I, I am I aware mean, the first cop
2: X3. Yeah.
1: <laughs> X definitely oh, the last X3. stand. X3. We talked a lot about the last oh, stand. But also, even though I know you love Rogue and Rogue is I the love best. Rogue. Rogue. But when you when you watch the first movie, X Men, mm-hmm.
2: do you do you like it? Are you entertained the entire time? Are you on the edge of your seat? I think um for me I'm not borderline edge of the seat what's going to happen next. I mainly like I enjoy the action and the powers and the storyline's pretty good. It it does have its weaknesses in many places. Yeah. But I think I mainly just I watch it for the characters and the yeah. overall yeah. story that it's telling.
1: Why don't we talk about Rogue a little bit? Because yes. me and my dad were talking about Rogue, and we feel like she's a strong character that has been yeah. written weekly. I feel of. that
2: too. Um, there are definitely places where Rogue is strong in the movies, and they in X One she had a very big part. Of oh yeah, she's
1: been through a lot. Well, and she spent we don't. I mean, how
2: long did she spend on the road just by herself? Yeah, she. There's just a lot of sides that the movies didn't hit Rogue, which kind of. Bothered me a bit. Um, well,
1: a lot of her scenes also were just her kind of being, you know, sad. Like, I can't touch people. And yeah. It's kind of like... I
2: think... Well, obviously, being a teenage girl kind of sucks that you can't touch anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how that's a, that's a pretty big flaw. Even but, even just like platonically. Exactly. Platonic touching. Even just a <laughs> hug. She never got hugged. That's pretty much the message. Yeah. But too dangerous. For me, I felt it was sad that they viewed her very much as a romantic character Yeah, most of her scenes. Always like her with the boyfriend, Mm -hmm. her getting jealous of Kitty Pride when she was with Bobby. So in X3,
1: when she left to get the cure, did you feel like that was in character?
2: Did you feel like it was implied that she was doing it for Bobby? I don't, I want to believe that it wasn't for Bobby. I don't want, I want to feel that it was for herself. It was her own decision that I, this isn't something that I can live with anymore. I need to get it out. I was kind of bummed because I was like, "Oh, dang! You're so cool. I know. Can you just keep it up? Keep the gloves? Yeah, no on more, your body. no more gloves. <laughs> I just—it's just kind of a bummer that she couldn't feel that she could keep going on with her powers. That she was at that breaking point mm-hmm. where she just—I need to throw in the towel. I—I yeah. want to be normal, even though I can't be like any of my friends. Yeah. But so now now
1: we don't know. Do you think that she st- after what happened in Days of Future yeah, Past, do you think Yeah, we need
2: to talk. Yeah, yeah, do you think she
1: still has her powers? Do you think she doesn't? Cuz we did get a glimpse of her with
2: Bobby. That is true. I think what I love about X Men: Days of Future Past is how it just wiped X three out of yeah. the picture. It
1: just the movie that everyone hated. Everyone they got rid of. Everyone hates
2: it. There are Tumblr posts just like putting the DVD in the corner, and I love it because it didn't have a strong plot line, and just I didn't like any of the choices that were made in it. It. I just overall hated the movie. <laughs> so. I hope we get Rogue the super lady back. I hope mm-hmm. we get her not as a love figure anymore and actually yeah, more, more independent. Like, I want to be a part of the school. I am here to actually kick some butt. That's what I want to do. And I think if we get that in Apocalypse, which is yeah, the next movie. Yep, the next X-Men the movie next coming X-Men out, movie, X-Men Apocalypse. That would make my day.
1: It would be really great. It would also be really great for like, you know, all of the girls that are the going women. to see the movies. Cause, like, because uh, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention Toriel here. Go yeah, outside go the fandom, <laughs> but I mean, Toriel was important because she was very, a female character in a her. very male predominant movie, she and so needed. it's important to have that, especially for little girls who go like actually like movies like that and will go exactly. to see them, and then there's no girls in them. So especially for maybe younger girls who are more impressionable and still us really yeah i mean it would be nice to see a character our age that doesn't act like that
2: yeah i love i'm a cosplayer i consider myself a cosplayer (laughs) so i love that i can get a good female that i can find in the series because i mean there's just to a point where like gender bending is just it's okay it's cool and dressing up as a male character but if you find a female character in something that you truly love there's no better feeling than being like, yay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And when yeah. they have,
1: like, I mean, because you do a wonderful femme Daryl cosplay as Thank well. Thank you,
2: yes. <laughs> and I love Peggy Carter. She is yeah, my and you Marvel. Yeah, I Peggy woman. Carter as well. Yeah. Um, I have a full World War Two military uniform with Peggy because <laughs> I fantastic. love her so much. Even though she is viewed as a. Romantic character in the first movie. She's 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 also a well-rounded
1: romantic character. At Captain America,
2: exactly because there's a difference. I think people always assume that if a woman's in a movie, TV show, etc., as a character who falls in love, she's instantly not a strong character. She's not a strong woman. But I think people have to realize that strong women can also fall in love, and they can also be in the romantic. definitely definitely as long as they get the scenes to show their worth and the extent of their abilities that's all i need if those two can go hand in hand perfect
1: exactly and really what we mean by strong uh female character is well written female characters because we don't mean like strong oh i can lift things no like we're meaning the are talking about the seeming inability of a lot of writers to write Half the world's population. Yes.
2: yes. <laughs> Another <laughs> pulling it problem. back to X Men. I think, <laughs> think a good example of this is Mystique. Actually, let's talk about Mystique. Let's talk about Mystique. Oh we my both gosh. love Mystique. Mystique I think. is the best. And I, I think Mystique is my favorite character. I think character. Jennifer Lawrence should just stay Mystique forever. I, I don't love
1: don't, her as Mystique
2: I mean, so much. I, I actually don't even remember the other lady's name. Oops, I should have had that. Sorry. On a note uh, somewhere. It was... <sighs> Well, we I love we say her, her name somewhere so much because we get this background character of Raven and how she she knows how to get what she wants. She knows how to talk to people, how to be a, a woman in society. Yeah, and she she just knows her way around things. But she, she can, can do whatever she puts amazing. her mind to. Yeah, and I love that. I love that she can be as strong. Oh. Well, God character, like you're just always <laughs> yeah, expecting everyone that scene her. from her.
1: She um she comes out of nowhere because of her abilities. Her abilities she'll just are appear blight. on screen, and you're like, oh my gosh, that was Mystique. So She's good. determined to protect herself and, and the rest her of her race. Mutants, yeah, which is great. She and she'll do anything. To do it to I mean to a point to where she 's like her
2: mission and that's that's
1: what you need villain that's but a
2: well written character yeah because she is she's mystique a is a strong character many of those movies where you feel that she 's on the bad side, but you can understand where she 's coming from. and she still
1: has romantic scenes yeah. scenes where she 's struggling with her appearance, but she 's well written and at the end of the day she is a strong character she,
2: you can see her going from Oh, I don't want to, gosh, I, I want to be in human form. I don't like how people see me as this. Blue. Yeah, hiding her skin. And hiding, and then later just being like, this is me. Yeah, what I do. You're going to have to <laughs> deal with it. This is who I am. And that's great. That's a great trait for girls of all ages to see is that you can yeah, be, to be awesome yourself in your own skin. And that awesome mystique. We
1: haven't talked about first class yet. First class. Yes. <laughs> I love first class. I think Loved that movie. First class and Days of Future Past must be like my favorite movies. I don't know Definitely. which one to put first.
2: Um Yeah, I think for me sometimes X all the three X movies just kinda of blend together sometimes. Yeah. Um except for X three, X3. X3, X3, X3. <laughs> yeah. Um But I love First Class because it's that movie where like the kids are figuring out how yeah. cool they they're are. They're like young. You know what I love the,
1: the montage scene where they're learning how to use their yeah, powers. At and the, they're like at giving the each house, other nicknames yeah, yeah, at I the loved mansion. That. Oh my I loved gosh, loved that you should be it's Banshee, so perfect because and... it's so relatable. Because oh, they're just hanging just... out. They're twenty somethings. There wasn't any and fancy they all have something in common. And they just all are like having fun. Like look, look. Yeah, because now like now they feel comfortable with each with, other because they're all mutants and they can be themselves.
2: I loved that movie. I loved so all of it. I love the casting. I mean, Michael Fassbender is Magneto. So <laughs> glad they brought him back.
1: Yeah, James McAvoy. Oh, yeah. Um guy whose name I always forget that played R in Warm Bodies. Yeah, Beast. Oh,
2: he's great. Yeah.
1: Well, I love him, but I can't remember his name. Anyways, guy who I'm plays so Guy who plays Beast.
2: I hope nobody's going to amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> they can they, they have Google. They, they have Google, yeah. I I love the young casting of everyone. It they represented themselves really great. And when they brought them back in X-Men Day, Days of Future Past, I was like, yes, yeah. yes, we get like a second, <laughs> yeah. first-class movie. This Another is great. <laughs> it was just, it was fantastic. I have to remember what happened in that movie. And okay, wait. Eric did something bad. and Eric done goofed. That's pretty Xavier much. Yelled, That's no. all of the X-Men yeah. movies. Eric, no! <laughs> <Yeah>. Eric, yes! That's <laughs>
1: <Yeah.
2: laughs> exactly oh, what it is. Oh, my God.
1: Okay, and I'm sure you know, because we're both on the internet, that there is a significant majority of the X-Men fandom that ships uh, Eric and Xavier.
2: There's some ship name. How do you feel about it? I don't know. I'm not actually a huge shipper, surprisingly. I... I see people together, and sometimes they're just obvious couples, like Jim and Pam from The Office. I'm like, oh, God, get married, what you actually? Ooh, sorry, spoilers. (laughs) Um, Or just obvious couples I love, but I I guess I just view those two as just this constant dynamic duo. Mm -hmm. I don't view them... like sexually or romantically you know i
1: shit people as like best friends yeah. they're so Bro close or how i, I do love things. how close they are <laughs> like when when eric deflects the bullet and it hits oh yeah xavier and just you see that and he like and loses
2: and his mind that... freaks out no. <laughs> and he's like holding him in his lap yeah oh I, man I, it's an I intense cried. scene i cried I think what's so great about their friendship is how they're two sides, they're opposite sides of the same coin, because you got Magneto, who's like, I will stop at nothing to get my revenge on the people, and and then you got, like, who's like, oh, please, please, just yeah, come, I'll educate you. <laughs> get away from Magneto and his little uprising group. But, yet they're fighting for the same cause, just viewing it from a different light, and... I think they're just so great cause well, they like also their their childhoods were extremely different. I oh mean, uh, oh Eric spent God. his
1: childhood being tortured yeah. in the Holocaust, and Charles spent his childhood in, in a the mansion. mansion. They were so rich; his mother never went in the kitchen, yeah. never made him a hot chocolate.
2: That was there's definitely that, and the fact that they came together, and you can see their backgrounds reflected in mm-hmm. their adult lives because you can expect from the background that Magneto, Eric, has from his torturing of, like, how gr- cruel those camps must have been for him, mm-hmm. and then you see, like, because he just wants, he just wants the revenge on those people who did that. Yeah. He just overall he, has this Because he feels like the same thing is happening feeling. again. While you have Charles, and he's grown up, like, he doesn't have that need for revenge in his life. Yeah, he's
1: more political about he's it. He's more,
2: I'll sit back... I will, I'll fight, but I'm going to fight in the way that I know with my mind, with education, and that's just a different, there's the fighter and the thinker, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's really how they connect together.
1: Yeah, and you said two sides of the same coin, so I mean, really, I think a really good comparison is that Magneto is Hydra, and Professor X is S.H.I.E.L.D.,
2: Nice. Yeah. I like Two, sides of, Two sides of the mm-hmm. same coin. Two sides of the same coin. Connect all the Marvel things together. Oh, yeah. One oh, yes, yes. Yeah. All
1: right. So how do you think X-Men relates to the world currently, the modern world, 2014? Well,
2: I think originally they were thought of as being comic books to educate people of different races. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be how you can even though that person's different from you, you can still accept them, like, we'll fight for your rights, the hu- huge, like, rights movement mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. That's what they're based off of. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just, let alone, for me, I've never felt I can fully fit in wherever I go. So I We're can We're nerds. Always, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know the, whatever Brad Pitt stuff that goes on in the world. So, Angelina. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> I I think it's just... For anybody who feels that they don't quite belong, they can get a lot of hope from this movie that Mm -hmm. they can still be awesome, they can still be a part of society in their own special way, and it's mainly movies and comics about just accepting yourself despite the fact that you aren't perfect, so to say, that you have either something that just sets you off from everybody else, but that's okay. Okay. You can still save the day in the end. Well said.
1: <laughs> if you were a mutant, you know what's coming. What mm-hmm. mutation do you think you would have? What would be your well, your superpower, as it were?
2: As going on in my little mind palace, where I just <laughs> randomly think of, oh, I could randomly, it would be so cool. I would love to sometimes have the mind power that Charles possesses, mm-hmm. where I could be like, you're insulting my outfit, and I can tell from over here. You Telepathy. know the power. You know. You know the answer to the test I'm taking right now. Ha ha. Um, I had
1: not thought of that one. That is. A, that's, that's a good one. That's
2: what I would use that for a lot of the time, or just seeing how people thought
1: of me. Are you ever sitting somewhere and you're like? thinking stuff and you're like what if there's a, what if there's what a if... telepath Or yeah. here <laughs> yeah it's just like some random weird your telepath cough you're like afraid you're afraid that someone's oh gonna cough gosh. but you're also afraid someone's not gonna cough
2: <laughs> i his power is always really cool to me mm-hmm. i personally randomly i don't know why i love the thing magneto does with the metal in X Men: yeah, yeah. Days of Future Past, where he just rolls it around as a ball in his fingers. Yeah, I just want to sit in a lounge chair yeah. and just do that, like metal bending. I, I find myself—I don't know why—I'll just be sitting and I'll be like, imaginary ball of yeah. metal. <laughs> uh-huh. I, that just seems super cool. Just mm-hmm. you feel awesome, just un- no,
1: baby. Yeah, I can control metal. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I don't know. I like so many powers. Mm-hmm. If I could combine some. But I guess the overall mutation that is my kingdom, bring it home, <laughs> is Angel. I oh want my God! Some Don't wings even talk to me about Angel. Anything. I can't even handle it.
1: I can't even handle <laughs> Angel. I can't even do it. I was going to talk about him. You and me have him.
2: this. Oh my God! I, I can't even do it. I have a thing for wings. Um, wings. Are, a, that's because supernatural wings are fan. awesome. Being a supernatural fan. Don't so worry. Next love, season, we're gonna have an episode where Cass has his yes, wings on. Yes, it's gonna I, happen. I love wings. And are and awesome. wings? I just they are just a They're great awesome. thing for me. I love them. And watching that movie for the first time and seeing that blonde boy just well, because <laughs> well, and they
1: build up to it too because you don't yeah. see his full wings and then he just and then he like flies out of the building and it's and crazy because he's like these, like, oh, these oh, massive, oh. massive gleaming white oh, wings. It's shocking they were and beautiful. beautiful.
0: <laughs>
2: And I love the scene at the beginning where we get him like he's oh, just. Oh God, to, we were talking I I about that. I can't handle I like, that scene. Oh, I can't even watch please. it. I'm like, like contorting myself
1: in yeah, weird the, positions, oh, trying to
2: control God. myself. If I had wings, I, I guess it's probably different in his point of view, but. Oh, I would wear... I would just fly oh, <laughs> everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would be like, you don't have wings? I do
1: Smack people, yeah. <laughs> I just watched the beginning of um, Maleficent the other day. Oh, I haven't her actually wings are seen beautiful. that one. In the beginning, she's like...
2: Doesn't six, she have those First, she's
1: 12, of... and then she's like 16. So, right? So, she's like, Ari's, but she has these wings. Oh, it's it's amazing. Dream. We're going to watch the intro. Don't worry. Yes. It's... Oh, so. Amazing. So
2: yeah, wings. Special that's effects are
1: great. People with wings are awesome. Great.
2: Always it's just the thing. If you have wings, you it's earn awesome. a higher rank in your yeah. book. <laughs> so that's just perfect. That's my dream mutation if I could have one. <laughs> yeah. I want some big, white, gorgeous wings. Oh that's... god, so great.
1: All right, Olivia. thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Maybe we'll see more of you in the future.
2: Perfect. Maybe. I want to come back. <laughs> Good to hear.
1: That's all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next month for Episode 26, Lasers, Geeks, and Swords, as we welcome special guests Veronica Belmont and Tom Merritt, co-hosts of the Parsec Award-winning podcast, Sword and Laser.
0: Generations Geek is part of the Chronic Rift Network, which broadcasts back through time from a dystopian future. Please give their other fine podcasts a listen at chronicrift.com. Thanks for listening. And come
1: Come back back next time.
0: time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast.
2: Ooh, shiny.